Here's a stat for you. In 2023, the average price of a brand new vehicle in Canada was $61,000. And if you're in the market for a new hybrid or fully electric vehicle, the price can be even higher, up to about $21,000 more. I'm Tara Jean Stevens, and this is Road to Electric, an original podcast powered by Mazda. So, we are about halfway through this podcast series right now, and I think it's time for some real talk about money. Cars are so expensive, it is a stressful decision, and there's more to the overall costs of a car than just the sticker price. There are repairs, maintenance, tires, and if you're driving a combustion-powered vehicle, gas. I think the biggest motivating factor or instigator to buy a plug-in vehicle is cost savings. Pino Mastriani, who you heard from last episode, has been driving a hybrid EV for over a decade, and he's certain he's saved money. Both the fuel and maintenance. Brake pads, for example, last a lot longer. They'll typically rust before they wear out. I've gotten 10 years on my brake pads, and they weren't worn out. They were just rusty. Anecdotes like Pino's are pretty common among EV owners. But my next guest decided to put that theory to the test herself. Mary Guthrie loves two things, driving and numbers. She's a retired IT professional who now operates a farm near Amherstburg, Ontario. When she made the switch from gas-powered to EV, she really geeked out on her car's monthly performance reports, starting with how many kilowatt hours she's using per 100 kilometers of driving. So I went back and looked up a couple of numbers. And in the winter, I seem to be using 20 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers. And in the summer, I'm using 18 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers because I like to drive and I tend to be a heavy foot on the pedal, freely admit it. (laughs) And um, here in Ontario, uh, because I charge at night and I'm using time of use billing without factoring in all of the fixed costs and everything. Electricity here costs 7.4 cents per kilowatt hours. So for 18 kilowatt hours, that works out real simple math. 18 times 7.4 cents is $1.33 per 100 kilometers. In the winter, it's 20 kilowatt hours. It's $1.48 per 100 kilometers. Oh, wow. You're breaking it down by seasons. Well, because just like an ice car, EVs tend to use a little bit more electricity in the wintertime. You have to have the heat on, uh, using heated seats, using probably more climate control items. And it takes a little more energy to drive when it's cold as well. So it's, it's good to know there's a slight difference. It's not huge. It's just a slight difference. The other car that I had prior to the EV, my ICE car, was an SUV. It wasn't bad for an SUV. It used about 11 liters per 100 kilometers. And that works out at here in Ontario. Gas is about $1.60 a liter right now. It's fluctuating between $1.50 and $1.60. At $1.60, that's $17.60 per 100 kilometers against $1.33 or $1.48. You sound like my mom when she was telling me about things I shouldn't spend my money on when I was a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like you have a wise mother. So, Mary, tell me about maintenance costs. Can you break those down for us? 
there's a lot less maintenance on an EV. I would never tell anybody there's no maintenance on an EV because there, there are regular wear items on an EV, just like a nice car. So uh, every spring and fall, I swap my winter tires for my OEM tires, and that's about 110 bucks a year. Um, I change out my cabin air filter once a year, and that's 45 bucks because I do it myself. The insurance is about the same as it was on my ICE car, so that one's really not that much different. Besides not having to do oil changes, the one that's a little bit different on a, an EV from an ICE car is brakes. There's a feature on my car that lets me slow the car down without using brakes. And the difference is you wear your brakes out in an ICE car because you're using them all the time. With an EV, you're not using the brakes all the time, and what that means is they start to deteriorate. They need lubrication and sometimes the pads and the uh, rotors rust. So you do have to do a brake service. The first brake service I did on this EV was four years after I owned it. And I have about 80,000 kilometers on this car. So I wouldn't compare brake service on an EV directly to a nice car, but it's just something to be aware of. I'm so used to driving an ICE vehicle where there are so many repairs and unexpected costs. I'm almost like not yep. wanting to believe you, but I guess that's that's how you're rolling. I want to know more, too. So what would you tell someone who says the initial cost of buying an EV cancels out any savings from charging and maintenance and repairs? Hit it home for us. Well, I I would tell you that the cost of the car that I bought is comparative to the same cost you would pay for an ICE car. And for me, the difference is I'm going to be able to keep this car a lot longer than I would keep an ICE car. I've had mine four years, and I expect that I'll have at least another six. Mary Guthrie, a farm owner and EV driver on the roads in and around Amherstburg, Ontario. The thing that electric car people like to say is that the average electric car, and this is absolutely true, has 95% less moving parts than a gasoline car. Remember Sean Perpick? We met him in our first episode. He lives in cold, cold Regina, Saskatchewan, and takes great pleasure in zipping off in his EV on the coldest winter mornings while his neighbors spend upwards of 15 minutes warming up their ICE vehicles. So there's simply less to go wrong. And the, the parts that you need are typically cheaper. So if you just follow the right practices, if you charge the car correctly, if you select a good, well-rated car, if you drive it in the right way, you're going to have less problems than you have with conventional cars. But it's not like EVs come with no maintenance costs or needs at all. Of course they do. But they are different from the needs of ICE vehicles. Yes, there are fewer parts, fewer moving parts. Yes, there is less maintenance, for sure. But <laughs> there's still crucial maintenance on these vehicles. Safula Sine has been an auto mechanic since he was 16 years old. He started as a regular mechanic, doing maintenance on gas-powered cars. And as I went through, I started looking at what is a need for the automotive industry? Uh, what's lacking? And... What happened is that I realized that at that point, the technicians didn't have the proper skill set to diagnose even the basic electrical issues. Uh, 
And that's when I started getting more and more training, taking more classes, courses, traveling different countries. California, I've been to New Zealand, Switzerland to get this kind of electric vehicle training. Now, Seifula teaches EV repair at St. Lawrence College, and he owns a shop specializing in hybrid and fully electric vehicles. There are some crucial differences in the ways EVs operate, so specialized knowledge is needed. In an EV, the electric motor is basically almost contactless, so we have far fewer parts. So basically, all we're doing, I know I'm kind of, I'm really simplifying it, (laughs) but all we're doing here now is we have magnetic fields that are acting against each other. So believe it or not, I tell all my students this, I say, listen, you guys want to know how an electric motor works, it's basically magnetism. All right, we are controlling the magnetism at certain angles. That's how we're making power. In an internal combustion engine, what we're doing is we have a lot of different components that are happening, a lot of different movements that are happening inside there. But an electric motor, we're basically just magnets, magnets that are controlled by a computer, believe it or not. Whoa, magnets. (laughs) So there are fewer moving parts, but that doesn't mean EV drivers can get complacent. Just the opposite, in fact. What I would like to put out there is that with an ICE vehicle, you will get a warning sign. So let's just say, I'll give you an example. With an internal combustion engine, you have a muffler. This muffler, if it rusts out, gets a hole in it, or the muffler falls off, you will hear the noise, right? So you're going to hear that noise and you're going to understand. You're going to say, wow, uh, there's a problem here. With an EV, they're very quiet. So... The consumers that are out there thinking that they don't need to do uh, maintenance on their EV, they need to kind of rethink that and say, hey, I should probably take this into a shop and get it looked at and take care of it. The biggest thing is stick to your maintenance intervals. All right. If you don't, you will probably have to pay a pretty big bill at a dealership or an aftermarket shop. Enjoy it, though, because they are really fun to drive. Seifula Sene owns a repair shop specializing in hybrids and electric vehicles and teaches EV mechanics at St. Lawrence College. So generally speaking, when it comes to the sticker price on the lot, most EVs do cost more than the equivalent gas-powered car. But we've also heard from EV drivers that say over time, those upfront costs will get balanced out. And that's especially when you consider the fact that there are, you know, various government rebates that are available to help reduce the purchase price of an EV. Earlier, we heard Mary Guthrie describe how she's tracked the cost of her EV versus her old gas-powered SUV. But, you know, I wanted to dive in a little more into official data to see if Mary's experience is backed up by broader studies. Clean Energy Canada, this is cool, they commissioned a research study back in 2022, and it compared six popular vehicles with their EV equivalents. Mark Zacharias is the executive director, and he sat down with me to give me, you know, the lowdown on how the costs really compare. So let's start at the very, very beginning. How did you actually conduct the research? 
because there's so much data available. So we were lucky in that the U.S. has done this type of work before when they look at the total ownership costs of internal combustion versus electric vehicles. So we took the tool that was produced by the company that did it and we moved that up to Canada. So all we really had to do was basically transpose everything into Canadian equivalents. And so it was fairly straightforward for us to actually do the work. And as you said, we looked at six vehicles and their internal combustion equivalents and looked at ownership and total costs over eight years if you drove 20,000 kilometers a year. So can you break down the costs in detail for me? Because I'm one of those people, I'm thinking about buying an electric vehicle and I really, I want to understand the numbers. Well, we looked at six different categories in terms of vehicle size and vehicle class. So right from the smallest right up to electric pickup trucks. And what we found is that on average, for five of the six classes, that you would save thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars over eight years driving 20,000 kilometers a year. So for example, and probably the best comparison we're using as an internal combustion variant and a electric variant. And what we found is that if gas was $1.45 a liter, which was the average cost over the last year, is that you would save $10,700 over the life of the car over eight years. If gas costs were $2, I live in Victoria, which is what they are here right now, um, you would actually save almost $17,000 which is a lot of money in these trying times, right? Absolutely. So I've been hearing a lot about rebate opportunities. How did you factor in rebates, considering that from my research, there are different rebates for different provinces? Yeah. So right now, the federal rebate is $5,000. And then seven provinces offer their own rebates on top of the federal rebate, so they actually stack. So Quebec, for example, is you can get up to $13,000 off uh, a new vehicle purchase, so long as it's zero emission and electric vehicle. And from there, you look at different provinces. BC has a means-tested program, so it's tested against your income in terms of how much you would get back at the point of sale from the car. And also, Quebec and BC are the first two provinces to start offering incentives on used EVs. Are we going to see used EV car lots pretty soon? I live in Victoria, BC, and we already have one. So I would say yes. What did you find out about the overall costs associated with driving an EV versus a gas-powered car? Yeah, what we did for our work is we only looked at eight years of ownership. Depending on the model, it might be less for certain models and certain trims. But just for comparison purposes and to be able to make sure that we had a level playing field for all of the comparisons that we did is we looked at eight years. Owning an EV is cheaper for all Canadians if you own the car for eight years and you drive 20,000 kilometers a year. So based on this research, what I'm curious about at this point is public perception. Are more people considering EVs as a cheaper option than a gas-powered vehicle? Well, our polling and focus group work has shown us that most Canadians are interested in looking at an EV for their next vehicle. And we also found that six out of 10 Canadians feel that EVs will be cheaper than their internal combustion counterparts. So by and large, Canadians are already seeing the EV opportunity and they're already thinking about what an EV might look like as their next vehicle. So Canadians are very much open to EVs. What we're seeing right now is last year, nationally, 8.9% of all new vehicles registered were zero emission vehicles, the majority of those being electric vehicles. What we also found last year in the 
those jurisdictions that had a zero emission vehicle sales mandate or requirements to sell a certain percentage of electric vehicles, uh, we found British Columbia was 18.1% of all new vehicles registered were electric and Quebec was 13.2. So the EV revolution is already upon us. And as Canada starts to capitalize on the building and assembling of EVs in Canada, in Ontario, using battery metals from across Canada and batteries made in Quebec and elsewhere, you're going to see more and more EVs on the road. And in talking about the results of your study, was there anything in there that surprised you? We were very surprised when we looked at the total registrations across Canada is that they were as high as they are, given that it's been very hard to get an EV in many models over the last year or two. What we're seeing now is that there was wait times a year or two ago of up to a year, year and a half to get the car you wanted. What's different now is we have more models coming into showrooms across Canada, and we have more EVs being produced globally and in North America, such that the wait times are starting to get shorter and shorter. So uh, it surprised us how many new cars were being registered as EVs, um, but also it surprised us that even in such supply-constraint times, there was still that many new cars coming onto the road. So very, very good. What's your opinion on how, I mean, this is maybe getting a little into just, you know, social aspects and psychology and stuff like that, but how do you think data actually impacts us as human beings? Do you think that we hear this data and go, yeah, that, that's, that's a good stat. I'm going to buy myself an electric vehicle. I think it does. And it may not be for the urban family that only drives five or 7,000 kilometers a year. Uh, but certainly if you're a small business owner or you live in rural Canada and you need to have a truck for your work, you're going to be looking at the math. And, you know, I'm always surprised when I travel across Canada of how many battery electric trucks we're seeing out there. And, you know, that's not virtual signaling by anybody. That's these, the math works for the owners of these vehicles. And as more of these vehicles come onto market from different manufacturers, we're going to see more and more electric vehicles everywhere. And it's just going to become the norm. So buying an automobile, I think everyone would agree, is a pretty major purchase for most people, right? So we, we put a lot of thought into it. We worry about it. We definitely weigh all of our options. What would you say to anyone listening, including myself right now, I'm going to take this to heart, about why we should pay more for an EV right off the top compared to a gas vehicle? Well, first and foremost is the you will save money over the life of the vehicle. And so that's kind of the first thing we would say. Uh, the second one is you are reducing your overall carbon emissions. And as you drive the vehicle and the more you drive it, the more you're going to basically reduce your carbon footprint. Also, too, is you're helping yourself with energy security. And remember, every time you fill up at the pump, what you're doing is you're filling up in gas that's costed internationally. So the price of oil is not set in Canada, whereas we generate all of our electricity here in Canada. So you know from year to year, from month to month, what it costs to fill up your car is going to be the same. So there isn't any sticker shock or shock at the pumps. Mark Zacharias is the executive director of Clean Energy Canada. So... According to our experts and our real-life drivers, although a new EV will probably cost you a bit more upfront, the costs will balance out over time. And that's especially with some of the rebates and the incentives that are offered here in Canada. I also learned this episode how electric motors actually work and the importance of magnets. More importantly, though, I also learned that you need to stick to a strict maintenance schedule because an EV doesn't necessarily have those 
you know, those clunks and those rattles that warn you when your car needs some extra TLC. I'm Tara Jean Stevens, and you've been listening to Road to Electric, an original podcast powered by Mazda. Next week, we're talking about sustainability. Are EVs really as good for the environment as everyone seems to think? Find and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening. The thoughts, opinions, and views expressed in this podcast are solely that of the guests and do not represent the thoughts, opinions, and views of Mazda Canada. The material and information presented in this podcast is for general information purposes only.